Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Hashtag Bulls, your stop for the Chicago Bulls, all the news you need, all the um, terrible rumors, all the terrible front office moves, everything that you've ever dreamed of talking about with the Bulls, um, right here on Hashtag Bulls. I'm Mike Katrin, your host, and joining me is my co-host, Jordan Schultz. What's up, Jordan? Not too much, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm uh, pessimistic as ever about the Bulls. It's, it's, um, it's hard not to be after this offseason. Uh, yeah, and I think um, we're going to try not to bludgeon the entire Bulls organization to death, but I can't I can't make any promises. There's plenty of time for that in the rest of the season, so no reason to get it all out of our system That's true. now. That's true. You know, just <laughs> slow, make it a slow burn. Um, I think, really, this is um, a very early preseason uh, pod. We're just kind of... Uh, getting into the swing of things for this season, and um, I don't know. I really, I really kind of wanted just to break down what happened in the off season and how terrible it was, and then uh, really, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about uh, to get into? I mean, no. Like just said, we'll kind of break down the off season. We'll quickly skim through and then just kind of preview like kind of what we hope the future of the team looks like over the next you know few months in this season. Um, but yeah, like I'm ready to get into it. Let's do this. Cool. Yeah, I I, I like that. Um, I think. We could take a different turn as well. Uh, maybe say this for next podcast or do it in this podcast if we got time mm-hmm. uh, and, and focus on, you know, instead of focusing how bad the Bulls are, let's, uh, we could focus on what they could actually do to be good. Um, right. So exactly. let's, let's just cover, let's cover as much as we can. Great. Let's jump into it. Cool, man. Um, so let's just start at the beginning, right? Um, off season started. Everything went crazy. I think. Do you think this is the craziest NBA offseason that you can possibly remember? It, it's up there. Um, like last, last season was pretty crazy with Kevin Durant and Dwayne Wade switching teams. Like those were some moves nobody saw coming. Um, but even still, the star power of that draft or of that free agency class doesn't match what happened this year with so many big names switching teams. Um, I, I figured the Bulls, assuming the year they finally traded Jimmy Butler, um, I didn't think it was going to be for such a like a garbage trade as it ended up being. Um, but I did figure that was coming, but just everything else around the NBA, I did not expect it to have that much movement, like in all areas. No, it's been absolutely wild. It's still uh, wild right now. Kyrie Irving still asking for a trade. Uh, Nico hasn't signed his contract with the Bulls. Uh, Nerland's Noel still out there too. I mean, there's some, a couple free agents yeah. that are pretty big names that still haven't signed yet. There's definitely some, uh, some decent names still out there going into the, right after the finals, you know, right after uh, LeBron lost another one uh is the way i like to uh, there will be plenty of lebron hate on this on this podcast i hope everyone's okay with that yeah um, i mean i'm kind of like in the middle on that but i i, I i'm good with it I, I don't have any strong objections there you know I, i'll lead i'll lead with lebron hate because i'm pretty good at that and uh you know if you're if you're a bulls fan i, I can't believe there's too many out there who are uh, lebron fans before they're bulls fans but uh, uh going into this offseason right after lebron lost uh what what percentage chance would you say just like looking at it, did you think Jimmy Butler was going to get traded? Um, like I said, I figured it was it was probably coming. It seemed like he was one of the few guys, you know, Paul George, um, Gordon Hayward. They were kind of had had their names in a lot of movement, like rumor, movement related rumors for a while there. Um, I would have said going in, I would have figured it's probably sixty forty that he was getting dealt. Um, I still was hoping that we would hold on to him and build around him. Uh, something the Bulls have, you know, been afraid to even say that they will do. Um, so I'm not completely surprised. Um, it, it's still disappointing to see him go and just just seeing like the return we got back. It's, it's hard not to be disappointed. It just like, what, what were they thinking in the front office? It just, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I actually, I was on the opposite. I, I thought it was probably like a 25, 30% chance that Jimmy got traded 
Uh, I thought they kind of made their decision. I thought uh, with the fact that they made the playoffs, uh, you had your your two games of playoff rondo. Uh, I thought they were going to run the whole thing back. That was all the uh, messages coming out of the front office mm-hmm. was that they were going to run back. But as any good Bulls fan knows, you can't really trust anything coming out of the front office. They talk out of both sides of their mouths, not just to us, but to the players as well, apparently. 100%. Um, yeah, and if, and if people haven't gone out and listened to uh, Jimmy Butler's interview with Bill Simmons, uh, you should probably do that. Uh, there was also some Twitter shade uh, from uh, one of Jimmy's boys uh, thrown out right after the trade happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jimmy, obviously very professional in that uh, interview, has to be, right? But um, if you read between the lines of that interview, you can tell the front office did him wrong. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to take it one step back. Um, the front office has done a lot of people wrong. Uh, and at some point, it's not it's not me, it's you. You know what I mean? Uh, they uh, fired Scott Skiles on Christmas Eve. They um, apparently uh, choked out Vinny Del Negro before he left. There was actually a physical altercation between him and John Paxton. Uh, they the the whole Tibbs de- debacle debacle is is just is just infuriating because that was probably the best signing the Bulls had had made since the Jordan years. Is is signing one of the best defense, if not the guy who defined the modern defense. It, it's been NBA. it's been very bad for a while, but yeah, I definitely agree with you there that the. the like when the Thib thing happened, that was really like the start of the deep end where you could really tell that um, they were starting to kind of pull the plug on what they had built there. Um, you know, I was, you know, in the percentage of old fans that was extremely bummed when Thib left. I think most people were pretty bummed about that. I didn't really understand it. Um, I don't think there's any coach in the league that's um, done more with less than, you know, maybe like an Eric Spolster type team this year um, with the Heat. Um, but just every single year um, just dealt one blow after another, and he found a way to keep them competitive and get them deep into the playoff every single year. Um, yeah, they, they, I, they, led the, they led the East in, in wins two years in a row with Tibbs. And then the way they – just the way they did them publicly. Um, yeah, it was, it was completely unprofessional. Absolutely. And at some point, it's not me, it's you. You know, it's it, – it, the front office isn't a boys club. Uh, the the Garpacks, they are boys – with ownership, it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere. And um, just getting into the major, the major trade that we made, uh, they bought themselves probably three more years being uh, running this team by trading Jimmy Butler to the T Wolves, um, basically uh, <laughs> right before the uh, the seventh pick in the draft. Yeah, and it's I, I don't know. I don't understand why they're still there. Um, I I think they should have gone a while ago. Um, I mean, at this point, like I, I've been on record saying on Twitter several times, like I want the Bulls to bring in Sam Hinkie. If we're going to do this youth movement thing, let's at least bring in the guy that's put the Sixers in a position that they're in now. Like even if we just eighty percent of the, you know, trusting the process, the, the results have shown that it's pretty good. Um, so I like in the sense that we've gone with the youth movement, but just looking at the trades and the domino effects, like they don't know how to do it right. Like there was oh, a yeah. ter- terrible, terrible return. Um, the, the guy on the on the board at number seven should have been Dennis Smith Jr. And then at that point, that kind of makes Chris Dunn redundant, which means you should be looking somewhere else for a trade on there. Um, so just all the way around, it's just it's it's not a good front office. Um, unfortunately, until the money and the, the the attendance starts to decline, I think we're gonna have to just keep enduring through gar packs and just hope that some of these young guys can really, um, you know, blossom into some guys that we don't think they were cut out to be like a Robert Covington type production uh, type mm-hmm. growth, you know. Yeah, let's uh, let's save uh, beating down the uh, the fact that there is no process in in Chicago for the future, and let's let's mm-hmm. look directly at the actual trade that was made uh, around the league. Just res- I don't know if there's been, I mean, there has been because the boogie trade 
was incomprehensible. People um, threw that one under the bus. But Sacramento was getting away from uh, just a, a locker room cancer, just someone who beat down the other players. And you can see actually the the, the level of play in Sacramento actually went up after uh, Boogie left. This was not that type of situation. This was moving a top 10 player, uh, and, and there will be people who want to argue that Jimmy's not a top 10 player. Um, in the NBA, I count offense and defense, and so he's a top 10 player. And, 100%. 100%, yeah. yeah. And obviously we're going to be biased as Bulls fans, but I don't know how you you can give away a top 10 player for the return, which was, uh, well, let's just say we got the number seven pick back from him. We got Chris Dunn. We got Zach Levine. Um, but then we traded our pick. Um, that, yeah, that was another right back to him. But when we first, when the news first broke, it looked like we, you know, just gotten those three assets back, and then it broke later that we added in our first round pick with Jimmy Butler, and it made the trade that was already bad just that much worse on top of it. Yeah, you're never, you're never gonna get a dollar for dollar. You're not gonna get four quarters for dollar. It's, it was, seven, it was gonna be seventy cents to a dollar until that sixteen pin went, to, it's, went to Minnesota, and then it became, you know, like forty cents on the dollar, and I was mm-hmm. just like, what? If you're rebuilding, why are you giving, a, giving away a pick? And I can't believe that Minnesota was like, sorry, no can do without that 16 pick. This was the exact same trade apparently they offered last season, and that was before Chris Dunn looked bad and before Zach Levine tore his ACL. Yeah, it's it's just incomprehensible. It's it, it's terrible all the way around. Everyone gave it an F around the league. Some people were nice enough to give it a D minus. The the people who gave it a D minus were really like reaching for things. They're like, well, at least they picked a direction. At least uh, they're going with the youth movement. And I, you know, we we both know a lot of Chicago fans. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know any you know well knowledge Chicago fan who was against um, just rebuilding, just blowing it up, getting rid of Jimmy Butler. And, and rebuilding, but doing it in this fashion, uh, in this way, um, it's just, it's just not, it's, it's, I don't know if it's forgivable. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent there. Like they would have to really make some amazing moves here in the next few years to make up for it. I mean, you know, you look at their contract situation next year and they have under 50,000 or under 50 million committed. Um, so maybe they're hoping to make a splash in free agency next year. Um, but just the way that free agency has gone in recent history, you know, that doesn't give you a lot of confidence that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually going to um, take a brief break from bashing the front office and say if there is one thing that this front office does is that they do not spend money on on bad players, and I appreciate that. A lot of there's a lot of jokes out there about oh man, is cap space going to start at center for the Bulls? Like <laughs> oh uh, you know all those bullshit cap space uh, jokes. Guess what? Guess you guess who really would love to trade for some cap space? Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. I think they've really so far with the cap. It's crazy. Yeah. They're doing everything they can to shed some room. They they probably won't make the playoffs this year, and they're the most expensive team in basketball. They would love to have some cap space. So I I do not jump on the whole. Oh, what are you going to do with cap space? If you're not trying to win, uh, why not? Put, uh, this is the one thing I, I will give the Bulls credit for. Uh, the front office is that they're cheap, and in the uh, the the result of being cheap is the fact that they never really give out. Um, a horrendous contract like some other teams do. No, and they've actually done a really good job right now. Like when you look at their contract breakdown, um, over half the roster is still on their rookie contract. So they have a lot of guys that even though there's a lot of, you know, just potential is all they really have to like hang on right now. At least we're not, like you said, we're not giving them bad contracts that potential. They're all still relatively cheap um, under team control. We should be able to retain most of them if any of them do blow up. 
Um, so that is one thing that they have done really well is they've done a, they've done a pretty good job navigating the salary cap, um, especially once Dwayne Wade's off the books after this year, if he even stays in a Bulls uniform all season long. Yeah, and um, we'll we'll talk about Dwayne Wade here in a little bit. And also remind me because I, I like that you brought up 2018 because uh, secretly I think that. Um, the, the, some of the articles I've been reading recently about uh, all the teams who don't have cap space, all the people who will be available in the, two, in the free agency of 2018, that could be uh, part of the process, the Bulls process right. that they eventually get into. Hopefully. I mean, they haven't had a lot of a lot of luck bringing in big-name guys, and especially if we, you know, come out to you here this year and win, you know, 15, 20 games and then don't end up with, you know, Michael Porter at the top. I mean, what what do we really have to sell these big big-name free agents on coming here for? Yeah, that's that's a really great point. The Bulls are not a a great free agent type of team. Uh, but what, what, one thing I always thought they were good at is is drafting. If you look at uh, some of the guys they've pulled out, um, like Taj Gibson, mm-hmm. uh, like um, you know who, who, Jimmy Butler at the what? The they've, yeah, they've nailed some of their later. Nailed some of these. But even Paul Zipser is not that half bad. No, he looks like um, he'd be a rotation guy off the bench. But they so when they went and traded out for that seventh pick, I was thinking, okay, we're at least bumping into um, the bottom part of that of, of one of the most loaded drafts, um, and we'll at least still have our 16th pick, which apparently we eventually gave up. I, I, just, I could not get like someone to answer me. I was on Twitter probably um, blasting everyone for the like the next 25 minutes after they made that trade. I was like, so is, is the 16th pick involved? And I heard both sides of that story. Um, but then they went out and drafted Laurie Marketed. Give me your rundown on Laurie Marketed. So I guess for me, um, like kind of what I've kind of said about him the whole time is I, I don't hate him. Um, I just think where we drafted him was way too early. Like we could have probably traded back to nine or ten and still got him if that was our guy right there. Um, like I mean, just unless he really takes a storm, like league by storm this year, there's not a lot he can really do to change my opinion a lot. Um, from the from the jump, I thought if he was going to be a guy that became an NBA contributor, it was going to take a few years for him to realize that. Anyways, um, I just I, I I can't buy that. Like when if I'm trading Jimmy Butler for a draft pick, um, like that draft pick needs to be the headline of the trade I'm getting back. And I just I don't even know if Markkinen is in the best three players in the trade. Like, is, does are we sure he's better than Chris Dunn's going to end up being? Are we sure he's going to be better than Levine? Um, there's a, there's a real chance he ends up just being a specialist and only can fill a certain role in the NBA unless you know, like unless he becomes you know the next Porzingis that just takes off. I just I don't see it. Um, I think at best he's maybe you know a fourth or fifth starter on a team, but most likely he's destined for like a, a an offensive specialist role off the bench, like kind of a stretch big. And, and, and like I said, they usually draft really well, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what they see in this guy, and I, I think you summed up really well. I don't know if this guy's the best guy in in, in that trade. And he right. certainly wasn't the best guy at, at sitting at seven. Uh, you could have really reached uh, for uh, Frank Nicolita. Uh, I'm going to butcher that name, but I would I would have preferred to him over what we got there for sure. Um, but Dennis Smith Jr., Malik Monk, yeah. both of those guys on the board. Those those were the two guys I thought we were trading up to take there. Even then, even Donovan uh, Mitchell uh, or uh, yeah. Bam Amadeo mm-hmm. would have been um, something. W- to to be kind of interested why not swing for the fences if you're going to be one of the worst teams in the league and you want to be one of the worst teams in the league why not swing for that fence with uh, someone like Malik Monk or Dennis Smith I guess just because we cannot execute plans very well in Chicago (laughs) apparently not so all that all of that that probably Bulls all, all the Bulls fans basically fell apart within about a 45 minute period on draft night 
uh, losing Jimmy and then gaining Laurie Marketing and just looking at this guy and going, I mean, what, what is Laurie Marketing's um, ceiling? Do you think? I mean, it's very early to tell. He does seem to have some decent footwork. He does seem to be a decent shooter. Um, yeah, I mean, he's young. Um, he's legit seven foot. He, he he did show in summer league that he can handle the ball a little bit and maybe be like a playmaker that could you know best case scenario grow into like a two to three assist big man. Um, like he he didn't look completely uncomfortable moving with and without the ball. Um, he can shoot it. Um, so I mean, I I would say the ceiling's pretty high. Um, but but he definitely the, the floor is definitely really low with him. I would say as well. Um, a lot has to go right. He's really got to grow into his body. Um, I I remember watching one of the draft express videos on you know strength and weaknesses and. I want to say it's going to his left. You know, he's extremely comfortable. But when you basically take away his left and make him dribble to the right, like his pull-up game is basically worthless. Um, so he seems like he's a pretty easy scout on the scouting for right now. Um, so there's something you really – it's it's a very wide variety of what I could see happening with him. I did not I did not see that. I did not know that. That makes me even more depressed. Yeah, about if you go check out those videos, I think you probably know which ones I'm talking about. Um, it's, yeah. I want to say it was going left. Um, he was pretty solid getting to like the floater and the little pull-up. Um, but when he's going right, you could tell he did not look comfortable at all with the ball. And big uh, big shout-out to Draft Express getting uh, picked up by ESPN. Uh, yeah, big time. Man. I'm depressed about it because I love Draft Express. That's been one of the – probably one of the best draft tools um, out there. I mean, it's... Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. When I was doing like the dynasty b-ball stuff, it was a lifesaver having those like quick scouting reports to kind of put together when, you know, I don't, I don't watch a ton of college basketball in season just because I watch so much NBA. Um, so it's nice to kind of get a jump start on recruiting guys with those videos and then kind of going into look at more film after that. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get into, into summer league, let's, let's just go through all the other transactions that the bulls have made in this off season okay. uh, real quick. They ended up picking up Justin Holiday on free agency. Uh, welcome back, Justin Holiday. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Pretty cheap contract. He'll be a decent guy off the bench. Uh, provide a little bit of veteran leadership. Uh, I, I don't hate it. It doesn't really do much for us, you know, in the long term or the short, short term. But he's a good guy to have on the roster, I think. Yeah, a strange pickup since he could have just been on the team anyway uh, beforehand. But um, low contract, no big deal. Um, and as we'll get to. Uh, not really sure our point guard situation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, uh, David Nawaba from the Lakers. They they ended up waving him, and they and the Bulls picked him up. I, I believe him. Was that on a two way or was that an actual contract? I think he's on an actual contract. Could be I like the, Yeah, I like I like the um, I like that pick. It's we're a, a bad team who needs young guys who can play minutes, and why not? Yeah, he looks like he can guard at the NBA level. So if nothing else, that gives him at least one skill to kind of take up some minutes while we're in the process of rebuilding. Um, we let uh, Michael Carter Williams go. Um, I w- I'd like to uh, briefly um, mention, and I- I'm going to ask you a question here a bit later once we once we get into it. But uh, Michael- the Michael Carter Williams trade mm-hmm. was pretty horrendous uh, at the time. It was like. Okay, I don't know why we made that trade. At the time, um, it was kind of a whatever trade, yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, hey, you probably have a little bit higher of a ceiling with Michael Carter-Williams, so I couldn't knock it too bad, I guess. And then very quickly in retrospect, it was like, oh, yeah, we weren't using – Hoiberg wasn't using Tony Snell right. Yes, exactly. Surprise. Uh, bodes well for Hoiberg's future. Um, we let uh, Drafford Levine go, which uh, I was totally fine with until yeah. I signed with the Spurs, and I was like, wait, what did- – well, what, now he's about to blow up, yep. Yeah. What didn't we know about him? Uh, ended up waving Rondo, eating, what, about $3 million of his uh, final contract. What do you think about waving uh, Rondo at this point? 
uh, waving Rondo. Um, you know, I thought uh, he would have been an okay guy to keep around, uh, just kind of a veteran leader. Uh, it seems like a lot of the young guys liked him. Um, but, you know, from a basketball perspective, we have four four or five young point guards on the roster. If you're going to commit to the to the youth movement, it um, doesn't really make a lot of sense to keep around a 31-year-old Rondo. Um, so, like, I kind of got it. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that maybe could help us win just for, just enough games to fall out of, you know, the top three in the draft pick. So, um, you know, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it was a fairly cheap contract. I liked what they were doing with Rondo uh, in the first place. And it seemed like a lot of the guys uh, liked him, but I think a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of Bulls fans, uh, once those two uh, Boston playoff games with uh, playoff Rondo happened, they forgot the entire 82 games of drama around uh, Rajon Rondo, his uh, ability to not shoot the ball at all, his, uh, his lack of defense or even trying in half the games, and then teams also just not even bothering to guard him. Um, he was incompetent during the year. I was fine to see him go, but – I don't care if he's incompetent next year because we're trying to lose. Exactly. Right. Uh, we re-signed Felicio, uh, old Cristiano Felicio. I, I like that re-signing. It was a little uh, pricey, but that's how much a big man goes for these days. Yeah. I, I can't imagine he would have got that much money in free agency. Um, but then again, if you know, if he's your guy, go sign him. He seems like he'll be a nice guy to have in the rotation as a big man, as a you know third or fourth big man in the rotation. Um, yeah, he, still, still pretty young, not a terrible contract. And, we still got to hit that salary cap floor, so we might as well give the money to somebody. That's for sure. And he, um, I've always liked his footwork. I, I, he's he's able to get out to the three point line and recover very quickly on pick and rolls. I've always liked when he he got extra minutes. I always thought the team played the second team play a lot better when he was actually getting consistent minutes. Uh, and then I'll, don't worry, I will be bashing Fred Hoiberg's uh, <laughs> rotations here in a little bit, but. Um, He's still a bit lost uh, out there, both on offense and defense. And so if he can um, kind of get that together, like you said, he's young. He has not been playing at a professional level very long at all in his life. So um, not terrible. No, not at all. It's, we could have done a lot worse on that. Uh, did I miss anyone? Um, no, I think that's about it. I mean, we got Nico that we still have restricted rights on that's still dangling out there. Um, but other than that, we kept, we covered everyone. Perfect. So uh, we'll, we can talk about Nico um, here when we're running down um, what we should actually be doing this year. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So, I mean, where do you, where do you want to go? Do you want to start talking about uh, the future or do you want to talk about summer league? Uh, I mean, if there's, if there's anything in summer league you want to touch on, I mean, really it was kind of a waste of a summer league. Um, right. you, you, Chris Dunn's a guy I really wanted to see there and, you know, you didn't really see much of him. Uh, you saw enough of campaign to continue to be, you know, have a, have a, have a bad outlook on his future. Um, but it, it just, yeah, I'm good on that. Watching Denzel Valentine cast up 20 shots a game and it's, yeah, it just was ugly. I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. That was one of the worst uh, summer league experiences uh, after the highs of last year's summer league. Even uh, yeah, Valentine looked even more lost than he did last year during the during the regular season in the summer league, and I'm I'm going to blame just the fact that Cameron Payne was on the team, and I'm I'm going to segue right into. I don't think Cameron Payne should be on this team, on a roster, or in the NBA. How miserable he looked in summer league leads me to believe that. He just has, doesn't have a place in the NBA. He's just not good enough to play in the NBA. He would have played minutes last year. They, the 
uh, Thunder needed someone to back up Russell Westbrook, and they would not play him because he was that bad. Yeah, I mean, really, like when when we first made the trade for him, I was pretty excited about it. I was a, a pretty pretty big proponent of campaign coming out of college. Um, I thought he had a pretty high potential, especially if you, you know if you're a fantasy player. I thought he's a guy that was going to have a really fantasy friendly game. Um, but man, like it's it's hard not to not to feel down on him. He he looks bad. Um, I figured just having a little bit of time to recover from that injured foot that when we traded for him, I figured we'd come out and see a new player this year in summer league. Um, and granted, you don't want to you don't want to swing the pendulum too far one way or the other just off of the summer league performances. But but it, it looked bad, and he does. I, I think Nwabo looked better than he did so far. I think there's a good chance that he could lose a spot to him. Um, I, I would much rather see Chris Dunn and Jaren Grant get the burn over campaign at this point, unless he can really put it together, you know, now between now and the preseason. Yeah. Um, and that's another, um, I don't even think in retrospect, I thought it was a bad trade when it happened. And then oh, it was a terrible trade, it's... but I was on the, I was on the defense of, you know, like, Hey, um, you know, at least we are choosing a direction. I think I even wrote an article on hashtag, uh, basketball that was titled, you know, the Bulls lost a trade, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Um, and yeah, they were they were clogged up um, <laughs> in moving Taj Gibson, who was going to leave anyway. Uh, we weren't going to reassign him. was a was a good move, but trading two draft picks, uh, who ended up being actually good players for Doug McDermott, and then throwing Doug McDermott into mm-hmm. the into the deal was a little questionable. And then on top of that, throwing in a second round draft pick for no reason. Again, it's just like, yeah, we always end up throwing in draft picks. So, like, we sh- we were losing the trade in the first place, and then, by the way, here's a draft pick. On yeah, top. here's here's it's a draft pick to make you feel better. But, well, I don't understand what this about. We I don't believe we own our draft pick, uh, a second round draft pick, until 2020. Yeah, 2021. I'd have to go look that up, but it's I think the next three, two to three draft uh, second round draft picks we do not even have. We've already gotten rid of them. Well, hey, at least then we can't sell them to Golden State for a couple million dollars. Well, we kind of uh, we kind of overlooked that. I, I completely <laughs> forgot about that because uh, it's one of the things I really, really tried, tried to black out. <laughs> ever happened? Ever? Um, where do you, do you want to take that one? I mean, I have my own theory about what happened there, but I'd like um, to hear what you have to say about it. I yeah, I mean, I I have a hard time believing the Bulls were even going to pick him at that spot. Um, I actually have a buddy who's a big, big Oregon fan, so I've actually been kind of turned on to Jordan Bell for a little bit. Um, so I knew about him a little bit even before their March or their final four run in March Madness. Um, it, it's he's going to be a really, really good player for the Warriors in time. Um, you know, don't be surprised if he spends some time in the D League for a little bit. Um, but in that system, I think he's in a perfect spot to really grow into a guy you're going to see in a few years. It's in, in the Warriors rotation, contributing valuable minutes. Yeah, that, the take online was uh, how did why did we draft that guy and then sell him? And I, I think you hit it on the nose. We didn't draft him. Um, the the Bulls are so even further incompetent. So everyone's like, man, they sold Jordan Bell, who's like a defensively looks like a, a Draymond lookalike. What what are we doing? No, the Bulls don't even have a scouting system good enough to have known that they should have drafted that guy. I instead of play Oregon, so they weren't on the scouting report. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, so the Bulls front office so incompetent that they thought $3.5 million is a better deal than um, a guy who could actually um, develop into an NBA player when you are rebuilding. And I think that's the real slap in the face with this move was that if you're actually buying into rebuilding, then having assets makes sense. And having, but selling your draft pick – means you're 
you just want money. Yeah, it's it just makes no sense. No, it, it makes zero sense. So, um, let's talk about the roster. Let's just just run down the line. Okay. Um, let's do, let's do the rotation. What's so your can, what's your ideal rotation for next year? This should be fun. So I actually got it pulled up right here. Um, I, I don't know if I consider this my ideal lineup, but sure. it's probably what I think is going to happen. Um, I, I want to see Chris Dunn getting most run at the point guard. Um, you know, we traded our, our big gun for him. Let's let him get, you know, give him a leash uh, to make some mistakes and see what he can turn into. Um, you're going to see Dwayne Wade starting at the shooting guard. Um, I think hopefully in time when Zach Levine comes back, I, I don't want to rush him back from injury, but I could see him maybe starting on the wing and kind of moving Wade over to the three. Um, starting off. Oh, let me jump ahead. in here. Um, Dwayne Wade, is he with the team for the entire year? What do you think? I can't imagine so. No, I figure he'll be gone by the trade deadline. I think it makes sense to sell him by the, the before um, or at least pretty close to when Zach Levine is coming back. Yeah, I mean, trade him. Don't don't buy him out. Let him walk for nothing. But trade him to get, yeah, get anything. To get a second round pick if that's all you can get. At least just don't let him walk for anything. You know, you need all the assets you can get. Like as you mentioned, we don't own any of our second round picks for a while. Um, so just get what you can for him. You know, anything's better than nothing. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if anyone's gonna bother trading because they they just know that uh, one, um, Dwayne Wade's probably gonna walk and go anywhere, but. $23 million is a very good um, expiring contract. And expiring contracts are a little bit more in vogue now than they have been in the last few years, simply because so many teams need that cap space. Yeah, I, I think there could be a market for them, uh, especially if Cleveland's, you know, in the middle of another dysfunctional season. I could see them maybe being desperate, uh, maybe maybe Houston. Um, I think there's got to be a market for them somewhere. But uh, I don't know. I, I can't imagine he's on the team all year long. I hope not. I mean, I hope he's a good veteran leader for the first half of the season. And then, then let's move on and let's let the young kids really take over. Yeah, definitely. Who do you, who you got starting at three? Um, I, I hope it's Denzel Valentine to start the year. Um, similar to Chris Dunn, you know, we invested a lottery pick in him. Let's, let's give him a long leash. Let's let him get a lot of burn. Um, you know, let him make some mistakes, let him try and grow, um, see what he can turn into. Um, so I think he's probably who I'd like to start the year off of the three. Um, but I wouldn't be so shocked, you know, if Paul Zipser overtook that spot. There was times uh, last year that Zipser definitely looked like a better player than Valentine did. Um, hopefully having a full offseason of being healthy will allow Denzel to come in and really kind of hit the ground running. Um, but I, I want to see him start the year at the small board. Man, that is, that is just one of the most depressing conversations I think I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Man, do you want Denzel Valentine to start or maybe Paul Zipser should start? It's it's not going to be good. We're going. This is a bad. real NBA team. I mean, yeah. uh, we're going to have to come. It's going to be hard to come to terms with that because it has been quite a few years since the Bulls have been actually bad. We've been mediocre for a few years. We were great for a few years. We were coming up for a few years, and then we were coming up with the baby Bulls with Kirk Heinrich and Luol Deng and Ben Gordon for a while. It's there's mm-hmm. been a lot of upward movement in the last decade or so. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be down. Like I, we could realistically be in in line for a top three pick in this next what? draft, and Listen, I hope I hope we are. <laughs> rock bottom is where we want to be. You might as well. I mean, we're not challenging anyone up at the top. We're not even making the playoffs for the next three four years with this squad. So you might as well go get as many young guys as you can. Absolutely. Um, I like Bobby Portis at four. Uh, is that who you want starting? Um, unless we bring back Nico, yeah. Um, if we bring back uh, Miritich, let's let him start at the four and just. I mean, honestly, I'd, let's let's let the let's let the offense run through him for a little bit. Let's see what he can do. He's shown stretches of brilliance, and he's shown stretches of just being garbage. Um, let's let's let him really be the guy. Um, maybe 
maybe we can bring him back on just, you know, like a, a one-year deal if he just signs up qualifying offer uh, to enter enter sixty free agency next year, um, put him on a prove-it deal, let him let him be the guy see what he can do. Um, but at the same time, if we let him walk, I won't be completely heartbreak. Um, I'm glad to hear you like Portis. It seems like uh, for a while there, I was the only one that still had a, had a house on Bobby Portis Island. I still think he could really turn into a nice NBA player. Um, you know, he's shown flashes of being able to step out and shoot the three ball. Um, his motor's always going. He's nonstop hustle. Um, he's a guy that, you know, can get up and down the floor and run pretty well for a big man. I think if you could actually see the real hoy ball system, or at least what we've been sold on what the hoy ball system is, he's a, he's a big that could really thrive in that system. So I, I want to see him, even if we bring back Nico, I want him seeing six man minutes off the bench and really getting a chance to, to, to run the offense a little bit through him. Yeah. I, I doesn't sound like we're uh, disagree on too much here. Uh, Bobby Portis has NBA skills. One hundred percent. One of the things that he does not have is uh, defensive awareness. Uh, that's got to be um, if you if you're playing NBA 2K right now, go and edit his uh, his player. Make sure that's around uh, the 25, 35 range for Bobby Portis because he is legitimately that bad. Um, every single game I went to last year, when Bobby Portis was on the floor, you could just I, I would just sit there and watch him. I go, here comes another defensive left. Yep, another defensive left. Yep. He just he just doesn't get defense. And his and, defense, though, I don't really feel like he's had a, a chance up until the end of last season to really get extended minutes to really get in a groove. Um, I feel oh, like yeah. it's one of those things that could, could improve if he gets some time on the floor against NBA competition instead of, you know, floating between G League minutes and then a few minutes on the NBA bench and then back down and back up. I want to I see him, you know, let's free Bobby Portis finally and see what he can turn into. And I, I want to throw I want to throw Hoiberg under the bus. This is the this should be a regular segment. Throw Hoiberg under the bus. Oh, we'll have uh, plenty of opportunities for it. I'm sure. The, this is the Troy Hoiberg under the bus uh, moment of the night. Um, Bobby Portis didn't get good rotation minutes. No one got good rotation minutes last year, and that completely hindered any develop from any of the young guys who actually were needed when it came time for the playoffs. And now I'm not trying to say we we're going to get out of the first round because I never thought we were going to get out of the first round. I'm not a delusional Bulls fan, but Bobby Portis could have really, really, really used the the tick, and he he just didn't get it. And you know who really also could have used the tick? Nico, and he got dicked around by Hoiberg as well. Um, I do. I, I completely agree with your idea that we should be running the offense completely through Nico. I just think give him the ball, let him work. He's not a spot up shooter. That's not who he is. He can create off the dribble. He is a above average defender, and he's a very good NBA player. I think he's a great asset, and I. I would be shocked if we didn't resign him because giving him the ball and letting him run the offense allows him to be an asset that can be moved for other assets, which is what the process is supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. And the way I'm kind of looking at it is I don't think, um, at least on a, on a, a good playoff team that Nico's ever going to be a first option uh, scoring, like a first scoring option. Um, but maybe if he gets a little bit of time in that role, it'll allow him to really be a good number two or three option down the road, um, which the Bulls need. You know, hopefully uh, down the road, you know, we can get that Michael Porter type prospect to put with Nico. And then when Nico's your second scoring option, when he's had a few years of really being the guy, then then you're kind of looking at something, especially if you can get one of these guards to turn into something. Uh, I mean, I I'm, I would be perfectly fine with him just having a great four months and us moving him for a first round pick. Oh, if we can get a, a you know a high end first round pick, a hundred percent, definitely. I'll take a mid round. I mean, I, at this point, you gotta collect assets, and I'm I'm fully in on the hinky process for the Bulls. I just don't think it's gonna happen. One, the coaching is bad. Um, 
I was I, what I'm worried most is that this whole retool, this blow up, this rebuild is going to give Fred Hoiberg a longer leash. Do you do you think the front office has given him a longer leash now? Um. Probably. I mean, like you said, they probably bought everyone in the organization two to three years there because um, they can just say that, you know, hey, we're, we're rebuilding. We This was what the fans have wanted for so long. They've wanted to rebuild. We're finally doing it, even though <laughs> that wasn't exactly the way the fans wanted to go about it. Um, you know, I, I was okay with the Holyberg signing when we when we first signed him. There were some other coaches available at the time that I would have rather, you know, took a chance on. Um, but they, I mean, they did a worldwide search for a, a coach. Yeah. They just they just landed on Fred Hoiberg magically in a couple hours. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a little bit of a connection there for most of the Bulls fans can already pick up on. Do you think that they used worldwide search um, as the way they describe their search because they used the worldwide web to Google coaches' names? I mean, it's Did possible. Think- yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You think it's just a semantics argument from the front office? Right, exactly. You know, it's a worldwide, you know, search where they just, you know, sent, you know, a tweet to Fred Hoiberg and say, hey, come coach here. And then that was it. Another another piece of evidence that it's just an old boys club uh, who they're getting their friends jobs. And that's just not how you win. It's just not how you build a good organization. That's not how you win. Nope, not at all. Um, But I mean, I guess at least if you're going to if you're going to let them let him be your coach, get some guys that might fit a system, which to their credit, they've done a little bit this year. Um, they've gotten really like worse versions of like what they had kind of already in place, but at least they've got a few guys that could potentially grow into what we've been sold is, you know, the hoy ball system. Um, but no, I, I think it's time to move on from him, but well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still our coach at the end of the season this year. Yeah, that's, that's pretty depressing. I, I think he's a pretty pitiful coach. Um, one ranking had him as the worst coach in the league and I can't actually, I really can't disagree. He, uh, I, I wrote an article on hashtag basketball.com. Go check that out. Um, about his rotation problem. And there was no super significant injury on the Bulls last year, yet I believe we were in the top five in rotations used over 82 games. Interesting, okay. Um, surprisingly, there were, there were I, I could have sworn there was definitely not a team that was going to beat us. But there was a few teams with injuries, and I believe Sacramento Kings, um, they, they ended up, and Sacramento Kings had Rudy Gay out, so... Uh, there was a few injury teams that were ahead of us. Um, but, yeah, the Bulls were probably the healthiest team and used an insane amount of different rotations for um, a large number of minutes. Just the fact that the Bulls were one of the healthiest teams in the league is hard to believe. Like, it seems like that hasn't been the case in decades. <laughs> <laughs> of all the years that it didn't matter, uh, of course, that was the year. Mm, 100%. Um, so let's see, who do we got left to talk about? I think just uh, kind of um, down a little bit in Levine, right? I mean, I'd actually like to jump to someone. I'm not really sure what to do with uh, Robin Lopez. Okay, yeah, I'm 100% on that. I actually uh, have some ideas on what we think we should do with him. Um, mm-hmm. I think he should be put in the exact same boat as Dwayne Wade, and the second we can get anything of value for him that can help us in the future, let's let's get it. Let's stack those assets, like you said. Um, he's a great guy on a great contract. Um, you know, he's a solid starter, um, but he is a lot more valuable to a team that's in the playoffs than he is just – you know, putting up decent stats for nothing uh, while we're trying to lose. Um, let's let's get something young and something something exciting for him. Yeah, do you have a, do you have any uh, teams? Maybe some because there's not a lot of uh, contenders out there, and I think that's actually really going to hinder the Bulls uh, moving someone like Robin Lopez or Dwayne Wade. Uh, there's there's not a lot of contenders out there. There's there's about four teams really, and 
do any of those four teams really need a Robin Lopez? No, that's true. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you sell him off to the Spurs, you know, maybe as a compliment to LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, that's, that's one thing that maybe kind of comes to mind. I don't know. Don't know off the top of my head what their cap situation looks like. Um, Lopez is on, I think the hook for like right around 14 million a year. So he's, he's not cheap by any means. I don't hate that idea. I kind of like that. That's an interesting idea. You know, maybe you dangle him out there. I mean, <laughs> DeJounte Murray, we don't need another point guard, but he's a guy that I kind of like over there for some young guys. Um, I would argue that we might need another point guard. Um, let's <laughs> let, let's go look at the at the at the depth. Uh, let's go look at the at the second team, and uh, I kind of like to get your take on who do you think is actually the best prospect out of this out of this team. Oh man, out of the second unit on there, yeah. Um, you know, I I think Jerry and Grant. I still like him. Um, you know, Mark Markinen is obviously the the big name if you're counting him in that group there. That I think you know prospect wise. Um, uh, you know, we both really like Portis. I think he should be the starter if we don't bring in Nico. But if, if we do bring back Nico, I'd say he's the best prospect there. Who, um, who, who do you like more as like an overall – who's got the higher ceiling? Lori Market or Bobby Portis? And is it bad that we're having this discussion? Um, I, I think if you're going just off pure ceiling, um, it's got to be marketing. You know, it's, it's a big stretch, but the absolute ceiling for him is he does turn into like a, a Dirk Light. I don't think he'll be Dirk Nowitzki ever, but like maybe a Dirk Light. I think um, if you could be somewhere in between a Ryan Anderson and a Dirk Nowitzki who has a, a few moves, a few, uh, develops some post moves, is a little lighter on his feet than than Ryan Anderson, but can kind of knock down catch and shoots. Yeah, he has, a, he has a, you know? a nice. He has the potential to develop a really nice skill set for the modern NBA. Um, just you know, being a big that can step out and shoot it and handle the ball a little bit. Um, so if you're just going off ceilings, I think you got to say give it to him. Um, but I think Portis has a similar ceiling. Um, you know, not quite as high, but I, I do think that he's he's the next guy you're looking at after marketing as far as ceilings go. Yeah, I would probably I would probably agree with that. Um, like I said, Cameron Payne should be off the team. Uh, I'm not going to give Jaron Gray any credit. That guy is not good. Um, I don't he, think he's, he's going to be he good. Hasn't, he hasn't looked good, but I mean, I, I'm not sure that he's not better than Chris Dunn or anything else we have on the roster. I think we found something to disagree upon, so that's great. Uh, Jaron Grant's your boy, and I will hold you accountable. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, everyone on this team is not a great prospect. Um, I mean, I, I think Zach Levine is still is still a good prospect. I don't know if I'd be great. Um, yeah, you know, I, would, I would actually. 22 years old, so he, he's still. Great point. I was not including Zach Levine. Zach Levine is actually the only asset on this team that is probably the best asset on this team. Period. He's he's about the only guy on the team I wouldn't really want to move at this point, um, just because we're not going to get full value for him until he's uninjured, anyways. Um, you know, then last year, you know, before he got injured, you know, he put up some decent numbers: eighteen point nine points per game, three three boards, three assists, um, just under a steal per game, and knocked down two and a half three pointers. Um, you know, shot forty six, thirty nine, eighty three. Uh, so you know, he he was decent before he got hurt. Um, if he can come back and he hasn't lost, you know, the explosiveness from that knee injury, um, he, he's one of the few guys I think, like you said, he's the only asset we have. He's a guy that I think is the only one that could really grow into a number two or number three option on a winning team besides Nico um, out of this group we have right now. And, yeah, I think, and that's exactly, I think, my issue with this rebuild. Um, there, it doesn't seem like there is a process or they're, fo- they're not following the process for sure, but I'm not sure that there is a process at all i think their um, process is we'll just tear it down and get really bad and then figure it out from there yeah. um it's not get a draft pick 
it's not calculated like it was with the Sixers where like and, and at the time the, the move seemed ridiculous, but in the big picture, like they all, they all made sense in the end. I don't think that you're going to look back on five years um, and look at the Bulls rebuilding like, Oh, that all makes sense now. I, I don't see that being the case, but I'm not, I'm not sure that there's another process that worked just being, just being bad and getting lucky in the draft. Um, isn't, the entire picture you can get a first round you can get the first overall draft pick right but if you don't have anything around that guy and you don't have other assets the reason the the Sixers are so intriguing is not just because they got Embiid it's because they have Embiid and Ben Simmons and Sarge and they have more draft picks on the way yeah and then they've had those guys like Covington that came out of nowhere um, you look at the end of the bench guys, they're guys like, you know, Timothy Luau Cabra who have huge, huge ceilings. Like, yes, they're prospects and they may not ever be anything, um, but they're not stocking the bench with guys that are just, just like whatever. They're guys that if they hit, they're going to be really, really good players. Um, and, it's it's not the way that we're going about it. Yeah, I think it's almost the exact opposite. We got a bunch of stopgaps who will probably have a fairly short tenure in the in the league – and then maybe one of them pans out into a rotation-esque type player. And then Zach Levine, who I do have hopes for, and I think you got to have hopes for something. Um, I, I think I was I stated in, um, in another podcast that I happen to do, in the Watching the Boxes Fancy Podcast free plug, um, that I need to figure out a way to stop rooting for this team. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the things I did after the Jimmy Butler trade and uh, – my main dynasty basketball league that I do, I changed my my team. Um, I was I was the Bulls and I was a two time champion, and I I picked up the team and we moved to uh, Vancouver and brought the Grizzlies back. Um, and so that was one of my first steps to try and separate a little bit from the team. <laughs> I love it. That's a that's a great idea, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, and the only way I'm going to, I mean, the only way this happens, right? It's going to be a very hard way to pull anyone who's a, a fan of any team, right? Um, it's going to be hard to pull me away from this team, but they're about there. And the only thing keeping me there is looking at Zach Levine and going, well, he was the third option on a Minnesota team. He's real young. He's got some potential. That's the only thing holding me to the, to this team. While the, the, the process and Embiid and Simmons and Sarge and all these guys, they are things that kept Philly interested, even though they were the worst team in the league. Oh, exactly. I mean, you look at another team that's actually done a pretty good job putting some intriguing young pieces together is the Phoenix Suns. Um, they've really kind of done a good job in the last few years, you know, kind of doing the things like benching Tyson Chandler and letting those young guys get some shine. Um, this, I would trade our entire roster for the Suns straight up, and they can keep Eric Bledsoe, and I still feel like we'd win that trade. Um, they've yeah. got some really solid young guys on that squad. Yeah, they got a they got a great looking squad, and that's actually who I was hoping the Jimmy Butler trade would actually be yep, for. Me too. Out there, I didn't figure we'd get Devin Booker, um, but I liked a lot of their other pieces and and the pick that turned into you know uh, Justin Jackson or Josh. Yeah. Jackson, excuse me. Yeah, Josh, I, I would have taken that. That that sounds perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of young guys there I like there. Um, I, what, let's go back to Chris Dunn real quick. What what are your sure. thoughts on him? Um, I'm very indifferent about Chris Dunn. He didn't really show anything great last year um in his rookie year now we all know that Tibbs doesn't like rookies ter- terribly much even Jimmy Butler didn't get a lot of tick under him but 
um, hopefully Tibbs was working on developing them and some of that development rubs off because I'm not sure how good the development team here is on the Bulls. Chris Dunn does have an NBA body. He does look like he can play NBA level defense. But is he a point guard of the future? I, I will not call him that. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think a lot of what his ceiling is is dependent on how much of a jump shooter he can turn into. Um, when he did it, when he was actually coming off of pick and rolls, um, he he wasn't he wasn't bad actually. You know, he averaged uh, um, when a pick and roll 115 points on 126 possessions, um, which which isn't too bad. It, I think it relates uh, just slightly above average. Um, when he gets you know going downhill towards the hoop, he he has showed some flashes that there is something there offensively. Um, but again, that's going to be dependent on how much he can turn into a shooter. Um, you you said it really well. He he should be able to play defense. Um, but in a, in a trade where we go Jimmy Butler, we need him to turn into a two-way player. Um, so that's one thing I was really wanting to see in summer league is if he showed an improved jumper at all. Um, and so it was disappointing to not get to see that at all. Um, I think he's a guy that could be a good rebounder from the point guard position. Um, he's, you know, he has some good court vision. Um, per 36 numbers last year, didn't look too bad. Um, he only played 17 minutes a game, um, but his per 36 was just under eight points, uh, five assists and four and a half rebounds with uh, about two steals. Um, so there is, you know, some potential for him to turn into a nice player there. Um, he's older for a rookie coming in last year. Um, but he's the guy I, I want to see really just get handed the reins and just let's let him run the team for a year. And, you know, if, if it goes terrible and you lose a bunch of games, well, shit, that's what you were trying to do anyway. So you're not really out much. At least you let him, you know, get that chance to get some experience under the belt, see what it turns into. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving up on him. Um, I think uh, what success looks like for Chris Dunn this year is just – improvement I'd, I'd like to see him head towards um being a, a bit of a marcus smart type of player someone who is reliable who can get streaky who can um i, I think he'd be better than marcus smart if everything falls in place correctly I'm yeah maybe just, I'm, uh, just not, I'm just not sure that gets there marcus smart was one of the guys uh, when you're talking about potential jimmy butler trades i thought was another cheap play that i would have liked more than what we got you know maybe an av bradley marcus smart type. Well. It would have been amazing. That would that would uh, assume that Danny Ainge knows how to trade with someone, which he doesn't. Right. He's he's an asset holder. And, hey, and good for him. It worked out for him this year. Yeah, Bob. good for him that it, it, it fell into place because it was about not to. Uh, he could have had Paul George. He could have had Jimmy Butler. Um, and I think that's actually one of the biggest things, not to harp on the Jimmy Butler trade because we can do that forever. I don't know why that trade had to be made that night. You're, I don't know how you're going to tell me that that trade couldn't happen right now couldn't happen in August, couldn't happen in January. And let's just say, hypothetically, Boston doesn't get Gordon Hayward. All right. They might want to uh, move on Jimmy Butler then. And now Jimmy Butler's uh, value just went up. Uh, I, I'm not sure the timing of that Jimmy Butler trade was um, uh, anything but yeah, just I, fashion. It was bad. It, that's just all there is to it. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to harp on that because we we kind of went over that, and I think everyone's beaten the Jimmy Butler trade to death as they should have. All right, so that pretty much covers all the players on the roster. Um, let's kind of look into something that could potentially be more positive. Um, let's let's look even more towards the future. Um, like one of the questions I'd kind of asked you before the show. Um, you know, what what would you like to see the Bulls do by the All Star break, um, by the end of the season, and by the end of the next draft to consider this rebuild? Um, you know, on the right track. Well, I think we kind of mentioned a few of those things before. I'd like, like to see Wade him. Rolo. I'd like to see him uh, move Rolo for something. I'd like to see him move Wade for something. Um, I'd actually like to see them take on some toxic assets for either young players or draft picks. 
Uh, we do have that big trade exception from Jimmy Butler, and I think it should be used. Um, and we should make sure if if we move uh, someone like Wade off the off the books, um, I guess we'll have to get some something close to that back. So it's not going to move a lot of them off the books. But um, I wouldn't mind having it, having one toxic ex- asset out there, kind of something like uh, Brooklyn did uh, for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Um, I would really like to see us have, um, you know, two, if not three, if possible, first-round picks in this draft. Um, even, you know, maybe it's not first-round picks in this draft, but I'd like mm-hmm. to see us at the end of next draft to be sitting with, you know, it would be nice to have, you know, two to five first-round picks over the next few years to really kick that rebuild off. Yeah, I think it's going to be really tough to get three draft picks in the in this year's, uh, this coming up draft one. We couldn't get two damn draft picks in last year's draft, uh, which was even deeper. But I don't I mean, know how we don't get two. The Blazers had the biggest payroll or one of the biggest payrolls, and they still had three first going into the draft. So I guess anything's possible. That's true. Uh, weird things happen. If you If you want to make it happen, it will. Um, I'd like to see a couple, uh, I'd like to see us looking for those draft picks. I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm really, I, I call it pinky. Uh, there's not an asset that if, if you're not a great asset, then you're a bad asset. Uh, he threw Michael Carter Williams right under that bus. Um, he threw everybody under the bus. And if I'm not seeing significant improvements in guys like Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine, and Bobby, even Bobby Portis, if I'm mm-hmm. seeing significant movement towards being NBA competent players this year, you're gone. Move, <laughs> moving for moving for assets, moving for a random contract, a bad contract, moving for uh, something in a pick, something in a pick. Just keep moving them. Um, I'd like us. Uh, I'd like us to build Nico up and move him because uh, long term wise, I don't think Nico um, his age syncs up with uh, the Bulls' plan on actually peaking. Um, he'd be pretty much at the end of his prime if that if that worked out like that. Yeah, um, all these guys. I think everyone should be expendable on this team, uh, including Zach Levine. Yeah, if the right deal comes along, he's gone. I mean, he's already you know had a couple knee injuries. If you can get something, especially a, a pick that looks like it could be a lottery pick, I think you have to take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, to me, success with there looks like a or an organization that is trying to actually position itself for a rebuild instead of a fire sale. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I want to see us, um, you know, it would be nice if we could still have a couple of these young guys on the roster that have taken, you know, shown some growth this year. Um, it'd be nice to be able to go in with, you know, two young guys we can feel good about and a couple of draft picks into the draft. I think that would be a very successful year. Um, and hopefully we're in, you know, the bottom three to four teams in the league um, right there getting those those big ping pong balls for a year or two before we really kind of start that rebuild back up. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, and that, that's the second piece of success is the first or second pick in next year's draft. Yeah, exactly. There's looks like there's going to be some good talent in there. I mean, there, there always is good talent at the top of the draft. Um, but, but now more than ever, we're going to need it. Um, you see so many teams going up above the luxury cap, having those, those young rookie contracts is going to be more and more important than ever. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know we've kind of positioned ourselves. We've kind of talked about off season of next year. Uh, we do have a lot of money coming off the books and if we play our cards right and get some expiring contracts, we might be able to have a lot of money coming off the books, but what does that buy us? Yeah, it, I mean, might, you, it might be a mean that we can give a, a giant offer to a really good free agent, but why would a good free agent want to come here? That's no, it's exactly right. I think that's kind of why we need to we need to keep drafting well and having those guys hit. Um, 
more than anything, um, I would like to see us <laughs> start drafting some younger rookies. Let's quit drafting rookies that are already 22, 23 years old. Um, let's get some youth in there. And unless, you know, it's one of those things where they're to Dane Lillard and they're ready to come in and contribute at an older age. Um, you know, you, you get those guys like Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine um, that are old and they already have a little bit of a cap ceiling just because they already a little bit are kind of what they're going to be. Um, obviously, they can still grow but you're not going to get all those years of development out of them that you would with a, those 18, 19 year old one and downs. Oh yeah. And and that's exactly who I thought we were going to be headed towards with the 16th pick. I was like, uh, I was just praying that Luke Kennard did not fall to that 16th pick. Cause I knew that's who they would. Pick. I thought uh, Justin Jackson was a chance there too. Oh, <laughs> Justin Jackson at least seems like he might be a, a, a decent NBA player. And it's hard to get a good, decent NBA player at 16. Um, but I was like, you know, take a take a jump at Harry Giles. Take a jump at OG Ananobi. Uh, OG Ananobi was a guy I, would, I really liked at 16. I thought he has a lot of upside. He could really be a guy that would be, be good in the modern NBA if he can really develop that offensive side of his game. Yeah, why not? I mean, that to me, that's what I was like. If we do that in this draft, I'm, I'm actually going to be excited. We'll have Jimmy Butler. We'll have this young guy who is going to look real raw but have talent. And um, – you know, that all fell on its head, and then we ended up with Laurie Marketing. <laughs> well, sometimes that's how it happens, I guess. How hard are you going to be on Laurie Marketing uh, this year? Um, like I said, um, there's not a lot he could do one way or the other to change my opinion on him a lot. He's a guy that, you know, we've invested in him now. Let's give him two to three years to see what he turns into. Um, I, I don't want to see him getting a ton of playing time right at the start. Um, let's, let's bring him along slowly. Let's hopefully bring back Nico and Portis and Felicio and have Rolo kind of start the year off as those guys, and then – you know, bring him along slowly, and then as you can hopefully move Robin Lopez or something, then you bring him in there as a, a bench big and you start letting him get his feet right around that, you know, around December, and then really hopefully down the stretch, let him get a little burn with some NBA competition when there's, you know, not as much on the line. Not that there's anything on the line this year anyways. True. Um, yeah, I think that, that kind of wraps up the preseason and, and kind of a, a preview of next season. I do have one last question, though. Mm-hmm. What matchup, what game – are you most look forward to the Bulls playing next year? And I think there's only one answer, but it's the Timberwolves, 100%. It's the Timberwolves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That will. That's, that's uh, the one. That will 100% be the most expensive ticket uh, to get at the United Center. Um, Jimmy Butler is about to drop 70 in that game. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. I think in the Simmons podcast, he's like, he, I'm going to drop five. He's going to play like all 48 minutes and he's just going to put up 30 shots. No. And he's going to go legendary on us. I have no doubt. Playing for Tibbs, he's going to play around 40 minutes a game, I assume. Oh, uh, yeah. And just ruin his knees. And then there, there is that whole, uh, I don't know how directly related it is, but it seems like it is. Everyone's like, man, all those guys who played for Tibbs so hard for those, those three or four years, they're all washed now. And they're not that, they're not old enough to be that washed. No, it's, I think it definitely played a played a difference in them. Like you look at guys like Noah and like Rose. Like when they when they fell off, it wasn't like a graceful fall. It was they hit a wall. Yeah, even Dang, I mean Dang just fell apart too. Yep, mm-hmm. and he he'd been playing huge minutes even before Tibbs. Really. Even just like yeah, even like in Miami, I, I I don't know. I guess Dang actually had a little bit of an extended run. Like he was he was okay as a bench guy in Miami after we we got rid of him. He was uh, all right. He was all right for that that that, that, that next year. Yeah, and then then uh, then he kind of fell off after that. Yeah, yeah, and then the the pick that we traded him for ended up being Jordan Bell. You're right, that did. How never, about that? 
Never got that first round Sacramento Kings pick. That would have been real nice. Sacramento couldn't figure out a way to be good. So, right. you know, I guess at least we're not Sacramento. I don't know. Sacramento's another one. I kind of like some of the young pieces they have there now too. So yeah, I think even the Kings have a brighter future than us right now. I, I liked – actually, I like this as a segment. What teams are worse franchise – what franchises are worse than the Bulls right now? I'm still going to say Sacramento's worse. Yeah, I, I – Overall, franchise overall. top to bottom, not just their roster or their future. Yeah, okay. Overall, then, yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of a shit show in the front office. They're they're entertaining to watch, that's for sure. Um, they're up there. Um, Lakers? Uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of like what they've done in the last few years. I think they're it's, turning it around. I, I'm going to say Luke Walton that pushes them way over the edge. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. Um, let's see. The, the Knicks, they're definitely – Knicks are worse, 100%. Granted, then we could put together our whole roster and try and trade for Porzingis, and they wouldn't take it. So I guess who's that to really say that they're that much the, worse than they have. They made a really good draft pick. Or they're still a worse organization. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think it's maybe Orlando? the Magic. Uh, maybe put the Magic in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, it's we're we're right in there. <laughs> so we're we're not in the top three right now. Uh, we'll keep track of we'll, we'll keep track of that as the season progresses. I'm sure the Bulls will give us plenty of opportunity to push them into the worst franchise, um, especially if they make a really another terrible trade like they have been making for their last three trades. Which I mean, both Wade and uh, Rolo need to go, so that should be two prime opportunities to make another bad trade. So we should have plenty of ammunition later on down the season. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm on the fire guard pack spin wagon for the rest of the year and for the unforeseeable future. So it's tough. Like I always, I don't like being the guy that calls, you know, for someone to get fired from their job. But it's I'm okay had, with that. They've had their time, and it's it's it. They haven't done anything with it. Like I mean, yeah, it's it's time. Let's get somebody else in there. Let's get some some new ideas and just stop the mediocrity that we've been for the while. Like we can't even tank right. It's it's just bad. Yeah. I'm um I'm a paying season ticket holder. I I think I can call for their fire. I, I think you get a little bit more of a of a an opinion on that than I do since I live yeah. in Oregon. <laughs> I, fair enough. I I really I'm just I'm just not looking forward to trying to get someone to take these damn tickets off my hands. Huh, yeah. Well, if I'm ever in Chicago, I will be hitting you up. I am you, definitely going to be hitting that. I try and see them every year when they come to the Blazers, and so I'm only about an hour from the stadium now. So that's going to happen when they come here, but I, I want to go see a game in Chicago. That seems like an experience that would just be unlike any other, really. Oh, yeah. it's uh, United Center is always still a very, very good time, and obviously the city of Chicago is one of the best. So you're not going to have a bad time here. You're just going to have a bad time watching the Bulls. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, luckily for this year, the scoreboard doesn't really matter. It's all about watching for growth and improvement. So um, it's, in a way, rebuilding, I think, is almost uh, almost as exciting as contending, but in different ways. Yeah, I will say last season was probably the most depressing and different season I've ever seen. So it's just, like, pure indifference about the whole thing. Um, so this season might technically be more watchable because they're bad. Is that a is that is that a real is that real it's life? True. At least now we're trying to be bad on purpose, as opposed to trying to be good and still being bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really great way to put it. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Jordan, do you have anything to plug coming up here on the hashtag? Yeah, um, for all those guys out there that do play fantasy basketball, particularly those in dynasty league, that's kind of my specialty. Um, I'll have some contending and rebuilding dynasty ranks coming out on the website soon uh, for hashtag basketball. Um, and I'll be able to put some, you know, comments in there on each player, and those will be updated throughout the season. Um, so I'm really excited to get those up and running. Um, 
I'm going to be, you know, doing the Chicago Bulls podcast with you. I'll continue to write some articles on them and then contributing in the dynasty as far as to fantasy. Um, we're getting ready to start a, a like a salary cap light dynasty lead um, that I'll probably use as some material, um, kind of breaking down how the draft goes with that because uh, it's based off the real NBA contracts to simplify down a little bit. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how a fantasy draft goes when you're weighing in contracts against the salary cap as opposed to just straight up fantasy production. Um, so I think that'll be pretty interesting. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but that's, that's about it right now. Um, it's, it's a little bit slow, so there's not a lot going on, on the bulls front. Um, so not, not too much coming there. It'll be mo- mostly getting ready for the upcoming fantasy season here in the next few weeks. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually never done a salary league. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm you brought that up. I was, listening, I was listening to your podcast uh, that you did yesterday. I, I was going to bring that up. You guys need to do a salary cap league. The one that Convin- we're doing makes convince it- me why I should do a salary I've never done a salary cap league. Convince me why I should do a salary cap league. Okay. Um, you, you play NBA 2K, right? I do. Do you ever do my GM? Often. It's the exact same thing, but for fantasy. Um, how we did it in this one, I'm con- calling it my salary cap light league. Um, so what I did um, is we, I went through and took all the contracts of the real NBA players for our startup draft um, and kind of rounded down to the million spot. Um, so the example I've been using is LeBron James this year. Um, he makes $33 million and some change. Um, next year, he'll make $35 million and some change. So we're going to round that down to $32 and $35. Um, just to kind of keep it simple. That way you're not figuring in all the, all the thousands and exact dollars. And it helps it go a little bit easier on trading and stuff. So it's a little bit easier to match up salaries. Um, and it, it really just does give you um, a different challenge because you're not looking at just fantasy numbers. You're looking at it more from a GM perspective where you're weighing the contract. You know, if you go and get a Mike Conley type player, Damian Lillard, or you know, John Wall is a great example. You know, here soon, in six years, he's going to be making $46 million or 46 of our 120 hard cap. Um, you have to really fill out the rest of your roster with some, some value type players. Um, so it really just adds another wrinkle in there um, to the – to the dynasty league, which I already feel like is the way to go. I don't really play in redraft leagues. Um, I mainly stick to dynasty and keeper. Um, but it just, like I said, it's just, it's my GM in person. It adds a whole nother wrinkle to trading um, because it's, it's like the NBA. You're either contending or a lot of times you're rebuilding, trying to get those picks, trying to cut salary for upcoming free agency. Um, it's, it's the best way to play. I'm super excited to get this league going. It's going to be a 20 team league. Um, so that's why we're using 120 as a, the hard cap as opposed to 99 just to kind of adjust for having 20 instead of 30 teams to help spread those contracts out a little bit. Well, it, um, it sounds fairly complex, and that is the proper way to sell me on a fantasy basketball league. So I think I will be joining that salary league. Simply that's great. Because I, I think we have way too many, there's like too many variables. Yes, I think there's five spots left, and so it's, it's good you're jumping in now. Um, I already dibs on the Chicago Bulls for my team name. Um, so yeah, I'm, don't worry, I'm 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 <laughs> avoiding I'm avoiding Chicago Bulls in all aspects of my life. But yeah, you should jump in. It'll be a fun league. Um, it'll give us something to talk about. On you know, if I jump on as an extra for the fantasy show ever. Um, yeah. I, I I know quite a few of the people that are actually in the league. Of, they're people I know either in real life or have met you know on NBA Twitter or fantasy Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I think that a lot of them, you know, they. They were people that read some of my stuff back at Dynasty V-Ball, so I've interacted with them for a few years. So I think um, it'll be kind of cool to get some insight from what kind of went into their thoughts and, like, why they drafted, you know, player A with this contract over player B. Um, I just – I don't know. I think it'll be a really fun league. Um, it's I, I track all the, the salary caps and the draft pick trading myself. It's, like, weirdly therapeutic to kind of run those uh, spreadsheets. All right. 
Yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's kind of fun. It's weirdly therapeutic. I really enjoy doing mm-hmm. it. Hey, whatever floats your boat, man. Uh, and I can't really um, negate what you're saying because I'm a huge fantasy basketball nerd. Um, if anyone who listens to the hashtag uh, basketball podcasts, um, the network that they are kind of uh, ramping up here this season. Uh, if you listen last year, I do host the Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Really good uh, stuff, too. You should it, check it out. Sometimes they go a little long, but um, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, me and Tyler Watts um, really just break down what's going on in the league. Right now we are starting our team previews, and we are going to uh, do a few mock drafts. Uh, I doubt we will do those over a podcast because that might take five hours. But we're going to be talking about mock drafts. We're going to be talking about where you should draft people, head-to-head leagues, roto strategy, and um, probably bring on Jordan to talk about dynasty strategy. I am looking forward to it. Uh, what's your what's your Twitter account? Where can people find you? Um, I am at Dino B-Ball. Um, keeping it nice and simple. I, I do Dynasty Fantasy Basketball, so that's where you can find me. The Dino with an I? Dino uh, with with, uh, D-Y-N-O B-Ball. All right, perfect. And you can find me, like I said, at Watch the Boxes on Twitter. I think that's it for the first episode of uh, Hashtag Bulls. I think that about covers it. There's not really much else going on at this time of the year. Cool. Um, So yeah, I think that's it. Uh, We will get back to you soon with more. If there is more Bulls news coming up, if Nico gets signed, we'll be uh, talking about that soon. So uh, thanks for joining us and fire Garpax. That's that's right. Let's do it. (laughs)